Hello, everyone. Welcome to the, what are we on, Pete? Fourth, fifth? Fourth episode of the Cassandra Properties Podcast. Time's flying over here, folks. We're having a good time. I have to say thank you to everyone that is jumping on board. We have such an exciting audience that's building. Uh, we like to say we have an international audience <laughs> now because we have, we do have an international audience. We now have people listening all over the world, which is pretty cool considering we've been doing this for a few weeks. Today, we have on our show, the king of comps, big boy, Brian McGowan. He is the most senior member of the Cassandra Properties family. How are we doing, Brian? Doing great. The king of comps. I like that. That's you, man. Thank you. It's always been. So uh, we're going to talk a bit today about the history, how Brian ended up at Cassandra, what an integral role he's played over the years, um, the dynamic between us, which could not find two people that are more opposite in their approach. Um, outside of fishing, I think that we're pretty much on opposite pages for almost everything. We end up at the same spot, though. Yes, we always end up the at the same, same spot. spot, but we never take the same path, which is true. pretty cool. We're going to talk about technology, uh, some exciting things we have going on there. We're going to talk about construction. We're going to talk about opportunities we see in the market. We're going to talk about M-Land and the opportunities that we believe are right in front of us that we're certainly going to take advantage of. So let's start, Bri. Uh, let's, let's get into the history. We, how long have we been working together now? 11 years. 11 years, yeah. Wow. Flies. So we met back in 2009. I was 21 years old, yeah. Actually, I couldn't buy alcohol before. Wow. Yeah. Now I have a wife, kids, everything. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, we have baby Brioche. Baby Brioche. Another the big boy just like me. He is a big boy. So if, if you're watching, you'll see why we call Brian big boy. We had technical difficulties right away. Our headset wire wasn't long enough because brian is just a massive six foot four six foot five guy um but when you get to meet him and you get to know him he's the most gentle giant that you'll ever find in your life he's a wonderful guy so anyway 2009 um our first interview right yep was uh at a pizza place here 76 here 76 yeah. that's back when we were really working on north shore and we were fighting very hard to shake the stigma of the North Shore and validate comps, which we did. Yeah, it was also a tough time. I mean, the phones weren't ringing. Then. No, that was that in was the crash. The yeah. crash, right? You that so you started. It was two thousand nine. You were still. Where were you at that? I was at Wagner College, actually up the uh, up the road. And you started as an intern. Started as an intern. I had actually I had to complete an internship for for graduation. And um, actually, it was introduced by a mutual friend, Anthony. Um, he's like, look, uh, I have a potential uh, internship for you. Would you give it a shot? So I was like, sure. I mean, I went to school for finance, marketing. Did never even, real estate never even crossed my mind. I was always fascinated by architecture um, and a lot of those aspects, but never crossed my mind. So Brian brought to the table for us instantly, I mean, immediately, a creative eye that there's not a creative bone in my body, right? You, you're the one that taught me about the value of brand. Now, in 2009, it was a different world. And Completely different. Brand was important, not as important as it is today. But to your credit, you absolutely saw the critical nature of developing a brand. And you always had 
far bigger goals than I did. Maybe not bigger goals, maybe more ambitious goals. I would say. Yes. Ambitious, but not, not bigger, just, just a little bit different. Um, well, like, I'll, I'll never forget that one meeting we had when um, uh, we sat down, we had a few questions, where do you see the company in, in three years from now, five years from now, um, uh, et cetera. Uh, and the way I think my responses were, all right, I want to have five offices nationally, and you were, I want to have five uh, offices locally. Right. It's, it's the same, but bigger, yes. Yeah, so um, you gave me, quite honestly, the courage to expand my horizons, right? You always thought, and, and probably your greatest attribute <clears throat> is that you don't have a fear. Like we have a joke, um, you know, what plaque is Brian going to have in front of his office today? Is it Brian MD? Yep. You know, is it lawyer. Brian the lawyer today? Is it Brian the whatever it may be? Because you're afraid of nothing. I honestly believe I, I could do anything. I, I truly deep down believe that. And I, I don't think anything can stop us. I, I really don't. Where does that come from? I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. I mean, I've always been a determined person, maybe sports, football, being a, a captain, leader, potentially uh, potentially that. But honestly, I feel like if you put your mind to anything, you can do anything. So, so uh, the book that we were working through at that point was uh, Letting Go of the Vine, I believe. That was the management book when we sat down and we were talking yes, about yes, that's what it was. company goals and where we were and, and just, again, continuing to push me. So I want to just go back and talk a little bit about that, the leadership and, and football. I played ball when I was in, in high school. I was undersized. Um, I had, had the heart, but I didn't have the size. Yep. And back then I had torn my ACL, and it just was a different world than oh, yeah. an ACL tear today. So that was it for me. But you excelled like in a big way, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was, I was pretty. To be humble, I was, I was pretty good. Um, he was better uh, than pretty good, guys. <laughs> um, in high school, I excelled. Um, I, I won um, uh, best player of the year for um, uh, Catholic high school football um, league. Um, ended up getting a, a bunch of full ride offers to multiple different colleges. Ended up uh, picking Wagner College to stay home. Um, so my parents and see my games and stay local with, with family and friends, but. Um, I, I firmly believe organized team sports, especially football, um, shaped the man I am today, without a doubt. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. It taught me how to work for things. It taught me, uh, taught me how to work in a team environment, camaraderie, um, how to lead, uh, how to understand people, what their needs are, what makes them drive, excel. Um, I give a lot of credit to, to what I do in life today to, uh, to football, quite honestly. So for Brian's size, he is shockingly fast. And I learned that one night, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which was also outside of Pier 76, was, yeah, oddly enough. Outside of Pier 76 one night, yeah. Because we would always have the banter, you know, you know, I'm the older guy and, and, you know, of course, I'm 60 pounds lighter than him and half a foot, maybe more shorter than him. But uh, uh, it's just my personality. I would always say I'd whoop him if we ever lined up against each other. So one night... After a few uh, cocktails, yep. we finally did decide to yeah. line up against yeah. each other. And you planted me into a car so lightning <laughs> fast that it, yeah, it was, it was that. I've never seen feet move in person that fast for a guy of your size. I don't think I've so, ever seen feet move that fast, I'm, period. I'm big, but when I was in college, I, I was a tackle traditionally in high school. So I had to move inside because uh, the tackles are 6'8", uh, yep. and I'm only 6'3", 6'4", so it's, it's a little bit different. So that's what I 
kind of pride myself on is, is technique, honing your craft. I mean, if, if you work at it, and uh, and this is the first time way, yeah. I ever admit yeah. that you actually did. Well, this is the first right now. Yes, yeah, this is the first time. This is the first there time. Was banana peels back then. There oh was, yeah, yeah. The wind was blowing. Everything. To the left. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I had a sore throat yeah. for a week and a half. Yep. For those of us who are fans of a certain movie, anyway. So um, Brian comes on and he is right away brings a totally different approach to the company. Uh, again, as you're all learning, I'm head down and go. And Brian is f much more of a measured uh, approach. Brian sits back and takes a look at every avenue. Uh, really a, a, a brilliant, critical thinker, a strategic thinker, which slows the process down. And we'll get into those rubs as we move along, right? I always feel like we got to go. Go, and go, go, yep. and you slow it down, which is good, because then we usually end up in a place where we're going at a good pace, but in the most efficient path. Sure. So um, completely to my surprise, you you start bringing in branding boards, and you know you're showing up at meetings. I'm like, what is this guy doing? And you had like all different logos, and you had all these different colors, and the brand today that is Cassandra Properties. I was, made that was your again. baby. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, a difficult sell. It was a difficult sell for me because if you can imagine, folks, you're, you're trying to build a company and, and signage was something that we had decided way early on, even before Brian was with the company. We were just going to sign, sign, signs anywhere we could. And people start to know that brand. So to, to have people recognize what was the script CP and the house, right? as the company evolved and you were, couldn't have been more right. You felt we needed a bolder Without a doubt, yeah. message that spoke to who we were trying to be. And, and the multiple audiences we serve to as well. I mean, we were very heavy commercial and we also serviced uh, the residential market too as well, which we always had aspirations to continue and, and grow that residential market, which we have today. And it's doing great. So we wanted to uh, appeal to both, both sectors. So how soon after you started, did you realize that the branding was, was completely wrong and that you were going to take that on as part well, of, well, of what you did? I mean, instantly, I knew, I knew real estate was what I wanted to do. I mean, I was going to school for finance. Uh, that's a nine-to-five job. And instantly, I realized that uh, real estate is absolutely incredible. Every, every, every single day is different. Every single property is different. It allowed me to use my creative side to the problem, problem. My creative side and actually my mathematics side for numbers to, to problem solve and think outside the box to, to make projects flourish. That that I absolutely loved um, uh, about real estate. Um, after, um, actually I was also, I was completely blessed to come to the market. Um, uh, people always tell me I was crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm joining the real estate industry at one of its worst times ever, but I am absolutely blessed to, to join during that time. The things I've learned while not making money and if I can make money during a time where the phones aren't ringing, yep. I'm, I'm going to make money uh, hand over fist when when uh, times are good. So I'm completely blessed for that. But um, coming into the office, uh, I, I saw just uh, a pool of talent, just a pool of talent sit, uh, sitting there. And quite honestly, I, I've never, uh, at that time, I was younger, I, I've never heard of you guys before. You heard of uh, a lot of the household uh, name brands uh, around Staten Island, but I never heard of Cassandra Properties yet. When I saw the inner workings on on the projects and the uh, of size and scale you guys were working on, I was like, these guys need to get out there. I mean, it's we had the yeah. exact opposite mentality. Yeah. It was head down, don't make a yeah. ripple in the pond. 
you know, we're, we're humble by nature, so we try to stay out of the press. We try to stay away from any accolades whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and that was a, just a, such an incalculable mistake. Yeah. Um, you guys were doing some, I mean, huge things back then. Huge things. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was an interesting time. 2009 um, was the worst year. 2009 and even 10. Yeah, it, it's, it was tough. It, it, was, it was definitely tough. Yeah, it, it was, was tough. Really tough. But we adapted very quickly. We saw that there was going to be much bigger of a fallout than anyone was leading on with defaulted notes yep. and short Precisely. sales. So we very quickly went from having zero experience in, I'm not talking about a house short sale. I'm talking about, we were short selling. Retail centers. I mean, uh, mega un notes. unfinished condo product. Uh, yeah, 20, land. 30, $40 yeah. million dollar notes. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we learned at that point about uh, the Madison Realty Capitals and the, the Meadows and the Iron States and these folks that are using different uh, sources of capital. The, that are tied to a velocity metric, right? The, the money has to be placed, good market or bad, the interest accrues to your, your debt and or equity partners, right? So we found that um, if we were able to get on the other side of the transaction and we cultivated ba uh, bank relationships, right? We spent a good bit of time getting in front of the banks, showing them that uh, we had this skill set. Now, if you could imagine, again, back then, there was none of the branding. There was none of the promotion. So uh, I, re I remember it was like hand-to-hand -hand combat. Every meeting was a grind to get the folks in the room to understand that this group of kids from Staten Island uh, really know what they're doing. And then to get a, a, a financial institution and a buyer, uh, and again, we're talking institutional stuff. We're not talking about, you know, Joe Blow buying a piece of property to trust in companies that were not the CBREs, they weren't the Cushion Wakes, they weren't these household names in the city that had a hundred year history of note dispositions was remarkably challenging, but we knew the market cold. Not only trust us and our brand, but Staten Island in general. None yep. of these big boys were here, none of these financial institutions were here, wanted to lend here. It, it, was, it was a real challenge bringing these guys to Staten Island. We were selling ourselves and selling Staten Island at the same time, yep. over and over again, yep. over and over. We even, we, we actually, quite honestly, we, we branded, uh, I believe, the North Shore of Staten Island, for sure. I think I you're mean, right. Uh, I, we, we definitely did. Um, as far as all the marketing packages we put out, uh, highlighting the highlights in St. George, the infrastructure, et cetera. I mean, uh, nobody else was doing that. And we saw that yeah. everywhere, yeah. <laughs> right? Everywhere. Little snippets yeah. of our... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. everywhere. It actually, at first, it, it bothered me seeing seeing all my material everywhere. Then I realized that that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, people people are, are taking uh, what we're doing and and they're, and they're uh, trying to replicate it. So Imitation is doing, the highest form we're of flattery. Doing something right. Yeah, and we, and we were. And even today, we still have folks that send us over things from different yep. websites uh -huh. and different marketing materials that literally yep. is. Our work product with a different name on top. Without a doubt. You know, you and can. Two you, weeks later, our work product changes. So, right. I mean, they're in the dust. So, we're always evolving. Yeah. Always, always. And, and look, the, the marketing is the face of it. Mm -hmm. Then you got to do the work. That, that's, that's the real uh, meat and potatoes. It's that's the numbers, it. the work, the comps. I mean, every single package we put together is real. It's, it's, it's numbers that aren't fake. Um, they're, they're real, set in stone, and, and 
for, for any client that I've worked with, um, and I know James too personally, uh, everything that we hand them is, is the full story, the full package. Um, that, that's the way James taught me to do business, and, and, that's, and that's the right way to do business. Trust. Yep. You've got to build trust with your, your clients. No, you know, we like to say here, you're not going to retire on one deal. And what we mean by that is it's never worth it. And it's not ethically acceptable here to burn someone on the way in on a deal uh, because there's ways to be creative with numbers. But if you give the raw, honest picture and you believe in the product and you start to build a track record, you do it the right way. Yep. And you really started to make a, a name for yourself um, with comps. And, and I call, you know, well, we call him the king of comps for two reasons. He builds the most thorough comp packages ever. And, and, and let, let's explain that, right? Comp packages. What does that mean? So that means comparable packages. When we're looking at a site and we're looking at an asset for a buyer or a seller, it is a snapshot, right, of... What do you do? Six months, say, twelve months? It, it all depends on the property, but r roughly, um, roughly six months. That that's your most accurate data, depending on the time in the market. But six months, um, w without a doubt, it's basically a complete uh, snapshot of um, uh, the, the the property comparables with the demographics, with infrastructure plans, with um, uh, new um, transportation coming to the city, city initiatives built in. We we, we kind of like to put together a whole package, seeing. Um, every single aspect that may uh, affect a property, um, uh, whether it be federal regulation, uh, state regulation, I, I mean, everything uh, we, we take into account, grant money um, and funding too as well. Uh, even the funding aspect, um, we, we love to um, see our funding options when, when we're looking at property. Forecast. So, yeah, we, we forecast everything. Yeah. We know exactly the buyers. At the end of the day, from that comp package, we're not only informing the buyers, we're also, um, we know what buyer we're targeting to as well. So the other reason we call him the king of comps is because he has set some of the highest comps for sales on Staten Island ever. If you, if you have a, an asset of size, you'd be very hard pressed to find someone better suited to handle it than Brian because of his methodical and pragmatic approach. So uh, I think we have here some, if you're watching, uh, PD's pulling up on the ones and twos, some of the articles, but let's talk briefly about it. So Edgewater Plaza... Uh, was one of the highest office building comps. It was by far the highest office building comp down there at that yeah. time. I think you sold that for 20... It was $21.5 million. That was actually um, a property that was in default. The servicer ended up selling it. Um, uh, the building was roughly 250,000 square feet. It was an old, old converted, uh, converted warehouse. Um, there, there wasn't much usable square footage actually in that building. Um, Sandy also wiped out the first two floors. Uh, so at the end, at the end of the day, we were at um, about two hundred and like twenty five dollars a square foot for the defaulted property uh, of size on the waterfront, which was absolutely incredible. And two years later, um, that was in fifteen, seventeen. Two years later, they ended up uh, letting that property go for almost uh, what's it, forty one million. Forty one million, yeah. 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 Again, in, in part because of yeah. the comp set, the vision, the opportunity, what we saw in the market, what you saw in the market. Uh, People at the time were like, are you crazy? What kind of number? Folks, if you do the work and you get between the, the lines, there is opportunity, right? There is things that people are not seeing. And they sold it, what was then the highest comp, they doubled it, almost doubled it uh, inside of a two-year period, yeah. which was pretty remarkable. Um, then we had the 
mixed use comp, right? Which was the, the view. The view yeah. That so was the building, yeah. that was a building that the history of that started before we, I actually put that assemblage together. Gosh, back in 2004, five, we assembled, I think that one was maybe five or six different lots. Yeah. And uh, again, worked with architects and engineers, put together a strategic plan, building gets sold or the land gets sold, development play gets, gets uh, funded, 2008 hits, uh, the sponsor decides, not for me, uh, had structured his debt in an appropriate way, quite honestly, he was able to walk away from it. We then worked with, I think it was Bank of New York and um, Madison Realty Capital, and we sold it to them as a defaulted note. Uh, they picked that up somewhere in the $9 million or $8 million range. Yeah, it was like $8 million, $8 million range, but it was also an unfinished product too as well. So. Right. So we worked yeah. with them to get the contractor, everything literally folks from the colors of the tile in the yeah. lobby right on down to, uh, you know, the, the layouts and flow. Um, and, th and that's actually when, when I joined the team too as well. I yeah. Mean, we created the brand for the building, yep. uh, the, the, the staging. Uh, Something the we weren't able yeah. to do prior to yeah. you being there. That part we had to let go yeah. or, and you started to lose control at that point. So it was a nice little ribbon that we were able to put on our package. And then that building you sold for 20. Yeah, it was, it was at, uh, um, 21. That one was a, uh, 20 million, I believe. 20, 20 million. million or 21 so, so, million. But uh, the interesting thing about that is we, we sold 40 units within uh, within that building all at, at an average of $555 a square foot. So right. 555, yeah. That's Which in retrospect, again, now units, yes, it, it's, it's yeah, as it's the lot. as the market starts to settle down, uh, that's going to end up being a which, value also. The, the brand in the beginning helped. I mean, we were, we were leasing out those units. Um, at uh, incredible numbers. I mean, we, we were getting roughly $37 a square foot on average for, for a rental rate for residential, which was unheard of in Staten Island. Yeah. Absolutely unheard of. And then something that we, we found recently, which I didn't even realize, and you should be so incredibly proud of. Um, so folks, if you're looking for M land, again, manufacturing land or industrial or warehouses or anything that falls in that segment, you have, if, if, the research is correct, and I'm pretty sure it is. The most dollar-wise sales in that market in the last three years yep. total sales and leases. And, and Unbelievable. Actually, well, actually, I found that I found that out by actually pulling the comps, and, and I'm, I'm looking like wow, all, all these deals are mine. Actually, mine. hey, I'm good. Yeah, I'm like, wow. <laughs> and actually, you you actually took a page out of my book. A book was like you should brand that more. I'm like, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, that. That's kind of going to be the value, like we say in every in, in every podcast, we want to deliver value to our listeners. So we're going to walk the audience through where we see some mega opportunity right now, yep. right? So let's talk about, uh, just briefly, before we really dive in on the M stuff, you know, what are you seeing here? Well, actually, it's tied to the M stuff, but post-coronavirus, um, what do you think is in store for our M or industrial or any of that product type on Staten Island? Yeah, so we're, we're seeing multiple factors dr drive this market. One, um, areas like uh, um, Red Hook in, in Brooklyn, um, yep. a lot of those warehouses are being uh, repurposed to high-rise buildings, condos. Um, same thing's going on in Queens. Um, Queens numbers have been 
I mean, constantly outpacing um, a lot of the other boroughs with Staten Island. Um, a lot of those mom and pop HVAC stores, electrical um, uh, electrical supply companies are all getting pushed out for different developments, and they're looking for the best bargain within the New York City limits. And we are we are the last stop. You can't find anything else in, in Manhattan. Uh, the Bronx is is kind of tough. Um, a lot of their prices are are pretty high, um, so that that's that that's a driving factor too as well. And, and coronavirus is just is jump started this. This is supply chain um, supply chain issues with within the city still today. I mean the, the shortage on uh, pressurized lumber, uh, PVC fences that there's shortages on. Um, it's, it's because we don't have enough warehouse or local distribution. Uh, right now, retailers and, and and warehouse distributors are looking for that last mile stop. Uh, to reach their their cl- the clients quicker, more efficiently. I mean, if you go on Amazon, you buy the stuff now and, and get it the same day. Right. Uh, everybody is is trending that way to to try to compete, quite honestly, um, and to have an address within the New York City limits um, to save um, fifteen dollars going over the outer bridge uh, every single day per truck is is a huge savings. Uh, with without a uh, without a doubt, and, and I know the IDA, which which you're you're a part of the board there too as well, is is definitely giving ex- incentives to, to companies to stay within New York, um, and, and to continue continue to flourish. Um, uh, also with manufacturing, I mean, we, we are an island. A lot of our zoning on Staten Island is manufacturing along the rim, so that that opens us up. Which we'll speak about um, our, our waterfront to transportation yeah. and shipping, and that, that that's our real value here. I mean. We are a hidden gem in, in that aspect for sure. So what's happening is is folks that are involved in the M world, which could be everything from a company that manufactures widgets to an electrical contractor, yeah. right? Literally it's in everything in between. They need that zoning and in other locales, um, they are rezoning this to residential and as an electrical contractor or as a manufacturer of widgets, you just can't afford those numbers. No. So uh, we have access to the same waterways. In fact, we have uh, the ability on the northern part of Staten Island uh, to have what they call access to open water. Yeah. There's no bridges. You're able to get out into the Atlantic immediately. Um, and that's starting to get out now. That mm-hmm. word is starting to get out. That property is very, very valuable. Uh, you, you don't have to, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the past. You never have to plow the ocean. You don't no. have to salt the ocean. No. You don't have to repair the, the potholes. It's free. And it's still the cheapest uh, means of transportation, too, as well. Yeah. Most, most efficient. So as, as companies are looking to either relocate or make that last mile more efficient, what we learned is that it's not about how much does this marker cost. It's about how much does it cost for me to get this marker to peat as quickly as possible, right? And having those last stop, or you, what in the industry they call the last mile. Last mile, yeah. That's where uh, we're starting to see these micro-logistics centers pop up, right? We're starting to see that's where... That's going to be the next trend for sure, especially without a the doubt. city limits. Without a doubt. Yeah, so you're, traditionally you would need, for, for logistics centers, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of square feet, yes. which is a challenge in New York City to begin with. But they've now drilled that down, and they, they're finding that, that consolidating and having more focus. So maybe we can't deliver every one of these types of markers, but maybe out of this micro logistics center, every red marker can be distributed. Correct. Yep. Right. So now you have everybody on the logistics side competing for this space as well. 
And as we all want to um, look, I don't want to get off on a tangent here about global warming, but it doesn't matter in my mind whether you believe in global, global warming or you don't believe in global warming. It shouldn't matter. We should want to be good stewards of our planet. Without a doubt. Period. Right. So we try and stay out of that um, gauntlet and we try and stay out of the politics of it. Because if you're on one side or, or the other, uh, discussions get shut down so quickly and nothing productive happens. So uh, believe me, this does tie back, folks. I know it seems like I'm way out there, but I'm going to bring it back. Uh, so through the water, we're able to take a lot of trucks off our road. We're able to cut a lot of emissions, right? It's a safer, cleaner, greener, more cost-effective way to deliver goods. So... Uh, for us, it's been an important part of what we've done here to make sure that we're always keeping an eye on that as well, right? We so, have to, yeah. the, you know, you have this beautiful waterfront property that has so long been overlooked, uh, where folks are starting to wake up and recognize, hey, we could do distribution channels right out of the, the bay here on the northern part of Staten Island, cheaper, quicker, and at a comp set where. Uh, in Brooklyn, and we'll talk about this in a moment, uh, some of the comps that Brian has pulled in, in, in our competing boroughs, the numbers are so insanely yeah. more expensive. Uh, we really believe that Staten Island, even post-corona, and maybe even even more because of be it being post-corona, um, there's opportunities here. Yeah, and the way technology is going to as well is just, it, it's, it's inevitable. So let's talk about why we think coronavirus has now accelerated the the growth in the M market. So, I mean, the, the M market was growing tremendously yep. um, uh, bef before then. Um, since 2014, we have almost 2.5 uh, billion square foot that, that was net absorbed by, by tenants across the nation, which, which is incredible. It's one of the highest growing segments. But I think coronavirus um, is going to spur the... Um, uh, the small distribution warehouse centers, uh, for example, like the ShopRites, whose delivery service has taken off almost every single um, market on Staten Island or restaurant um, or anybody selling any type of produce or any, any goods, quite honestly, has, has, has now developed a delivery wing. And when you develop that delivery wing, where are you going to store your goods now? Um, I, I, tr I truly believe um, um, you know, what's, what's going to happen is, is a lot of retailers are going to um, shrink their footprint and almost do a hybrid of, of retail with um, a distribution center maybe in the back so that they could um, instantly send out their goods. So distribute uh, right from there. That, that, that's what I, I believe too yep. as well. I mean, uh, that that's what I've been researching. Um, I think that's a, an efficient model too as well. Um, if if, um, if you're doing that, you could also get a cheaper price per, per square foot in, in a manufacturing zone. You're going to be a destination regardless. People who are coming to you are going to come to you for a certain product. And people who are ordering you, um, you'll be able to have that ability to either do some light manufacturing and ship from right there or store your produce and ship from right there. So that's... So let me explain, expand upon this for the audience. So basically, uh, when, when me and the wife order from Whole Foods now, right, it comes in from New Jersey. It does, yes. Right? So I'm on the north part of Staten Island, folks. So if, if you're coming in from Jersey at the wrong time onto Staten Island, uh, it literally would take me... 55 minutes to get from Brian's house to mine. We both live on Staten Island. Now imagine my wife is ordering a couple of times a week 
um, they're now have they now have to take that product and distribute it mm-hmm. from New Jersey south over the bridge into Staten Island, run that traffic gauntlet yep. to get to me over on the North Shore in West Brighton. So what Brian is talking about is what's going to happen now is these types of stores are going to drop the t- traditional retail requirements, and you're going to start to see almost all retailers instead of focusing on hey, how do I get in the, the, the main, most trafficked part of Staten Island to try and allow the audience on this borough to come shop at me? They're going to trade that for how do I get a more cost-efficient location where I can strategically distribute right from that store? Without a doubt. So it's what not coming from do? a warehouse. No. It's and coming from that store. Of course, we do have our size restrictions here. What, what they're going to do is, quite honestly, what we do. They're, they're going to take a... Um, um, uh, a whole um, analysis of the orders. Yep. They're, they're going to stock product that uh, the borough of Staten Island is ordering uh, constantly over and over, showing a history of uh, of orders. They're going to stock that product, whether it be pasta, uh, ground beef. Uh, they're going to have always those products in stock, and then, and they're just going to uh, operate more efficiently out of a smaller box. So the retailers and distributors and the government, quite honestly, learned coming out of this that we have major supply chain issues. Major. We can't major, be... Major as reliant as we were uh, internationally and from a regional perspective nationally to bring in goods and, and, and be able to distribute them in times of interruptions in the process. Sure. So I agree with you 1000%. I believe that the supply chain issue is, is addressed by that means directly. Distributing from within the traditional retail store and either retrofitting or seeking locations that based on the model say, hey, if we had a location here, don't really care how many people drive by it, don't really care what the pedestrian traffic is, because we know that there is a consistent proven model of of people in this region of Staten Island ordering this amount of product. So if we locate here and we don't have to go over the bridge and we don't have to pay that toll and we don't have to do those things every single time somebody orders, we're going to save a bunch of money. And yep. if you tie that into having access to bring those goods in by boat, you really disrupt yes. the market. Disrupt it. Okay. If you bring it down for a little bit of a smaller level, I mean, right now, Staten Island's unmet retail demand is in, is, is in the billions. Yep. Right now, we don't have that much, uh, I would say, commercial property ready to be developed for, for retail space, um, shopping centers, et cetera. Our only option left is manufacturing. So to service our residents here, um, all their retail needs, it's going to have to be from local distribution warehouses. There, there's no other way yep. unless we have a rezoning. Which they're going to do right out of their stores, yep. which is which is really neat. The other opportunity that we're seeing, folks, is uh, funding. So after Superstorm Sandy, and, and I know we talked about this a little bit last time, but it's very relevant here. There's still a billion dollars earmarked from the governor for the seawall. Right. And there is, I believe, four or five hundred million dollars left in the city tranche for improvements. Now, let's put that over in one bucket. Now, uh, I think it was just on. I don't remember what day it was one day this week or last week. um, Pelosi proposed a three trillion dollar infrastructure bill. So what that means and how how does how does this news impact your decision making here in little old Staten Island? Well, here's how. When you have that type of capital that is going to be invested in infrastructure improvements, hospitals, 
roadways, bridges, tunnels, utilities, utilities. You have the local contractors in the respective trades getting busy, right? And what happens is we see this on a micro level every single time we go through a market turn. So what, what that means is we can tell you at a certain point in the market without fail, when we see the transition and we're coming out of a down market, contractors are going to get busy. They are going to want to stop renting and they're going to want to buy their own facility. Right. So we can pinpoint and we have done this now through two cycles and we're doing it again when that market is going to heat up. Sure. So you have that plus this massive amount of infrastructure, plus this massive amount of funding left over from Sandy because it's a long entitlement process. It's a very arduous permitting process to build a seawall. Uh, there is going to be an un, it, it's going to be tough to quantify the explosion that we are going to see an M property on this island. You and I have been in lockstep on this. I mean, I, I would just about wager anything that if you're going to be somewhere in the market in Staten Island, that's where you have to be. I absolutely love it. I mean, I absolutely love it. If, if I could tell a company that they, they could ship their goods from Staten Island and in a few days it arrives at San Francisco, um, that, that's incredible. We never had that opportunity uh, until now, quite honestly. So if you're out there, folks, and you're looking for M property, uh, Brian is, is the guy. We have a, a, a pretty significant inventory um, of, of projects that are on the books or set to come on the books. Um, and, and what we wanted to do this time is every time we go through these cycles, we get a little bit better and we learn a little bit more. So you have a construction background. Yeah, I was actually uh, a labor, a union labor, 6A. I used to pour concrete in high rises. So I used to pour all the Q decks and, and the decking uh, of these high high rise buildings. And you square. loved it. You you loved enjoy it. it. I, I love working. I, I just love um, working with my hands too as well. I mean, I love all all aspects of work, honestly. So over the years, um, I've had the distinct privilege of being Brian's partner on uh, investment projects, yep. smaller stuff that yep. we've done, and uh, we wanted to take this to the next level. So as we see the market timing out and we see what we believe is going to be an unbelievable run where the smaller contractors are going to have an opportunity to do some significant work, uh, we started to put the infrastructure together for a new company. Yep. Right. Want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, uh, it goes it goes back to uh, Staten Island in general. Everybody's saying, oh, Staten Island's done. There's no more property developed. You can't make money there. But uh, we, we view everything differently. Um, uh, so what we're doing is we're, we're creating a contracting and then development company called Stag Contracting, which we will be taking advantage of, of a lot of these opportunities. We've, we've been doing it for our clients for, I mean, years and years and years very successfully. And, and I think it's time that um, a lot of the ideas that we have that a lot of our clients don't want to do that we're, we're going to run with for sure and, and capitalize on to, um, to, to make Staten Island, quite honestly, a better place. We're also not looking to throw together traditional product. We're, we're looking to do something something a little bit different um, yep. that we could we could put our names on, our brand on, quite honestly, and, and be proud of. And it, it gave us an opportunity to pull the families into it. Yeah, without a doubt. So uh, and what we mean by that is uh, both my wife and Brian's wife, who have been a part of what we've done and supported what we have done for so long, 
um, they started to get excited. I think it started probably with like the fix and flip shows, yep. right? They'd be watching those shows. They got excited for it. Have an idea here, the color of the cabinets. Yes, oh, this looks great. Oh, well, you should try this, this. Yep. Now all of a sudden we have our wives on the sites and they're, you know, really adding value to yeah. the process. Um, and I actually sent Brian a video the other day of my wife. Uh, for those of you who don't know my wife, she's five foot tall. Yep. Uh, if she's a hundred pounds soaking wet, it's a lot. And she's out there with a chain. <laughs> A chainsaw cutting trees, trimming and pruning trees. Yeah. She's out there with a chainsaw because uh, she thought that it would open up this area on the side of the house and it would give a better presentation, and it did. It did. I didn't expect her to pick up the chainsaw and start ripping and tearing, but um, it, it's exciting. So we're 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 through stair contracting. We're now working on multiple construction opportunities, and. As exciting as anything that we're doing, we have a technology division. Yes, I'm super excited about that. I mean, we, yeah, tech, tech, tech is where it's at. Uh, without a doubt, every, every industry is experiencing it. Um, uh, the finance market, you have, you, have, uh, you have fintech going on. I mean, even industrial manufacturing, you have the Internet of Things where um, the Internet is, is, is communicating with um, the assembly lines um, from remote locations, and these factories are running uh, autonomous. Uh, the medical uh, industry, you have t- telehealth, uh, you have a lot of advancements in medication and, yep. and absorb, uh, absorption of drugs. But the real estate industry, we have, we've been lacking, uh, quite honestly. Uh, I mean, me and you say it every single day, like, why isn't this for real estate? Like, why? Yes. It, 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 it doesn't make any any sense, quite honestly. And and finally, we're, we're going to take advantage of that. We, we have a few um, uh, softwares and, and products and work. Um, I'm also very involved in, in um the idea and uh, ideology, uh, um, the ideology behind cryptocurrency and um, you took me kicking and screaming yes. there. Well, not so much cryptocurrency, more so about the block, the blockchain yep. and, and the blockchain's um, impact it could have on business manufacturing. Um, um, I mean, the whole world, quite honestly. I don't it's, think it's, it's could anymore. It's, I think it's, it's, it's the it, impact it will. It will yes. Have. yes, and and. and I definitely want to, I mean, we want to take it uh, and bring it into the real estate world. We've been experimenting, uh, experimenting with that and um, some other softwares that um, an end user or um, a, an investor or an agent can, can take advantage of. Um, basically back to um, uh, what we were talking about before, our comp packages. So what we're looking to do is um, build a software um, that takes into account all the variables that we spoke about, whether it be... Uh, your your uh, location as far as schools being built, infrastructure, um, uh, and any other uh, housing plans in the area, comps, et cetera. And it's, what, what it's going to do is it's going to give you um, uh, a deal. Uh, wh- whatever parameter you're looking for, if you're looking for a piece of land, if you're looking for a house to flip, if you're looking for a roof raiser, um, it, it automatically it, it takes those parameters and sends it to your phone the second it is listed, um, which is, I mean, incredibly valuable. Yeah. I mean, r- right now, that's. it sounds like it's easy. Like you could search on Zillow for a three-bedroom house, and as soon as it hits the market, it comes. But there's nothing for the, the, the more uh, calculated investor who's looking for a certain product to take advantage of. Right. There's nothing out there. Uh, so currently, the process is if you're looking for a particular product. Pete, could you pull up a smart sheet? Okay. I'm sorry, not a smart sheet, a hot sheet. So this is the hot sheet for... Uh, from the 14th to the 21st. So go ahead and just rip down there and let's show folks this is the kind of data that you would have to pour through. Um, this is for a week 
network of products. So if you can imagine sitting down and trying to vet each one of these individual so listings. The hot sheet is all, all new listings that, 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 are, that are popping up. Right. Um, so, so anything new to market, this yeah. is where investors and buyers uh, find the latest yeah. and greatest. So traditionally, you're going to have to open up every single listing. You're going to have to calculate all your numbers. You're going to have to calculate the area. You're going to have to calculate um, um, your, uh, your pricing to see if it's a deal and to determine it's a deal. And right. then you have to try and get in touch with an agent. Then you have to try to get in touch with the agent. Good luck with that. So, so basically, essentially, what we're doing is it's being calculated instantly for you right. and giving you the agent's contact uh, instantly. Right. So, I mean, the name of the game is, is time. That's um, it. Um, the early bird gets the worm. The first one there gets the property. So um, we're, we're, we're combining, um, I would say, uh, mathematic and financial technology with um, the technology of convenience to, uh, to get speed. Deals. Deals. Yeah. Deals, deals, deals. deals. So uh, without giving up too much, and we actually have uh, a, a meeting with our app developer, right a, a Zoom session right after this podcast, um, and you're going to essentially be able to get rid of all this noise, and the system is going to do the work for you in a, a real time. In real time, real time, you'll be able to set your parameters once. Mm -hmm. Never have to revisit it sure. unless you want to change your metrics. Depending on the market, it's going to work in different markets too as well. If you want to change metrics from a New York City metro to yep. um, with a, a suburban New Jersey market, it will work everywhere. And it'll deliver to you only the deals that you know this property already meets your criteria. Yes. So and only the deals you quantify as a deal, so right? Your not, we're not quantifying the deal. That's can, right. But it's that's the beauty your, of it. Your your whatever you consider a deal, that's what you're going to see. You're not going to see all this other junk out there with potential a deal. Um, what we're also doing too as well, we're kind of taking out um, a lot of um, um, sometimes agents report um, information uh, improper on properties. We're we're getting a lot of um, uh, all that minutia out of there and just focusing on straight numbers. Numbers don't lie no matter how many times you look at it. Numbers right. do not lie. Right. Yeah. Um, so what we found in, and I'm sure this is the same in everyone's industry, uh, but we've got a lot of tech people that are trying to develop real estate software. Yep. And if you're not in the game, you don't understand the value of time, the process by which you would normally source a deal. So... We've and we've looked at all of the softwares. We've looked at all of these different programs that have been developed, all of these different apps. And we always come back to the amount of work and energy you have to put into trying to retrofit this thing there's to do something missing. Yeah, yeah there's something missing always. or it, it takes so much time to get it to do what you want it to do because they're thinking like a tech person would sure. think. So we reverse that. We brought in an app, a, a tech developer and an app developer, and we basically built the footprint, sure. and they're now doing the behind-the-scenes behind yep. thing to actually make this work. This will disrupt how deals are yep. sourced in the entire country. Yep. I mean, uh, uh, one, one, one aspect, you're going to be getting deals. You're going to be making deals. Money, two, time. Your, your time now is freed up to um, do whatever you please with, whether spend time with the family, whether it make, uh, be, make more money focusing on something else. Um, it, it's, it's a no-brainer. Uh, and it's quite honestly, we're excited because we're, we're now in beta after thinking about all this. We're, we're, it's, we have a working product right now. It's, 
it's really truly incredible to 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 see what um, we believed what would happen um, actually in front of your face actually happening and and it popping deals out. I mean day one, day one, I mean, day one. I mean it popped out uh, like seven deals on a pretty a, a pretty tough um, criteria that we set and, and seven deals popped up. So that was our barometer. That's, that's just in in, in um, actually one area of Staten Island. Seven right. deals popped up. I mean the whole island wouldn't even get to yet. Right. So the 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 basically the bar we set was. If this doesn't make what we do with all of our inside knowledge and our insights and our instincts and our access to a whole staff of people here, if it didn't empirically improve how we're currently sourcing deals, it was going to hit the cutting floor. Yep. We were not going to do it. And it does, folks. It, does. it is exciting. Um, we are going to really deliver value to our customers in a big, 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 big way so we're we're really close i don't think we're more than a month or two out from being no. able to really put the finishing touches on this app i mean we're, we're like, it's not even an app yet no it's, it's it's cloud-based right now which which is great um but we're, we're, we're there well we, we are there exciting stuff yeah. so um we're we're working together in that capacity we're getting stag um moving to try and capitalize on the M property run. Again, folks, if you take anything away from this podcast, take a look at M property. Uh, there's a tremendous, tremendous opportunity coming there. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more, Bright, about our working relationship. Yes. And um, some of the growth, some of the frustrations, some of the things that we've experienced, because I think it's important uh, to share the ups and downs that we've gone through so our audience can understand it's not as simple as oh everything no. is hunky dory and everyone is happy and no. everyone is you know everything looks great mm -hmm. over there there's been a process here yeah well i mean we're all passionate we're all passionate here which is which why it makes this company great because we all care we all care we all care we all think that what we're doing is in the best interest of everybody uh, and I learned the hard lesson that doing what you think is right for everyone without explanation is not nearly enough because people see it differently and yep. don't understand. It's not good enough to have best intentions. You have to communicate. And I started taking some of these leadership courses with Chad over at Lions Pride and Brian and I attended a couple of sessions, and the takeaway was um, we don't hear what we're both saying in the same way. Yep. In fact, many times we hear something completely, completely different. different. Um, and that, that's not anyone being disingenuous or anyone not being uh, honest or... It's just legitimately how you a say thinking, yeah. what you say and the way it's presented is so unbelievably valuable. Uh, and I didn't get that. Yeah. So we went through some tough runs and yeah. we still go through some tough runs. Well, without a doubt. And also, I mean, I came in the company at a time where I, I was young. So, I mean, you've, you've seen my life transform over, over the yeah. last 11 years from going to a college kid to, now having um, a family and everything in between there. I mean, it's 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 definitely a learning curve on my part, and I want to thank you uh, so much for the opportunity. I mean, 
you you are uh, my biggest mentor without a doubt and I wouldn't be here today uh, obviously from from the things that, that that you've taught me and over the years family wise business wise etc but I mean we had we had our challenges I mean I was young in the beginning too as well um I, I didn't know I mean that that that's going back to before that's my personality I was young coming out of college I felt yep. like I could do everything and I was trying to do everything and sometimes it was wrong but my my thinking is I'm, I'm always going to give it a shot and and to your credit um without that confidence um i never would be where i am today i never would have pushed the envelope on so many things i've traded off people have a complete misconception of who i am and what my personality really is because i'm I'm a guy that's going to go and i'm not going to quit and i'm going no one will outwork us for clients nobody Um, and sometimes that gives off the wrong vibe to people Uh, but i have traded off your confidence unbelievably over the years and having uh partnerships where there's completely opposite um just inherent core ways of doing things and personalities has really proven to be the best experience for me of my life having someone that i know is looking at things entirely different but like you said in the beginning we always end up on the same spot we share one very important trait, which which I think it goes back to sports, is we we compete. We're, we're, we're competitors. Yeah. We don't we don't like to lose. I mean, we we have to be the best, um, almost at everything. We at least try to be the best. We, we give the best to our clients. Uh, I mean, give the best to ourselves. I mean, me and him have fishing competitions. I was just going to say yeah. we we yeah. have we can't even everything. fish like normal no, people. Everything's a, a competition, which we which we've slowed down before because uh, fix, fishing is our only relaxation now. So yes. we, we slowed down with that. But so we let's but yeah. let's just yeah. re- we're getting a little long here, and we're going to have to wrap it soon. But I <laughs> I do want to talk about that because we got into fly fishing. Yep, and it was supposed to be this relaxing you know yep. go on the river and you know um right you see, you see the, eagles the beauty flying. of the cast yeah. and the, the fly line gently landing on the water and me and brian turned it into trucking through yep. dangerous water at one point yep. i saw you going yeah through the river ass over yep. elbows i have to say it yep. fl- flying down the river the and river. you still had yeah. to run up in, had to run up in, in the, the air. air then we decided to go to montana <laughs> hike with grizzly bears go through the river yeah that's, and uh, i mean that that speaks to us too as well the the our relaxation hobby is fly fishing which is one of the most challenging things you can do yes it's just it's, it's hard as it is it's it's who we are i mean everything's a challenge we uh, spent yeah. hours cultivating rules yep. well we what have. what happens if you get the fish okay yes. well if you get the, the yep. fish has to be in the net and then you have to take a picture of it mm-hmm. and then we had to go measure buy these it. stupid yep. little tape measures yep. right so imagine you're out on the river and you're catching a trout and it should be a nice graceful process you take uh, your your forceps and you gently remove the barbless hook and you release me and brian they had the poles in our mouth holding the net we got the tape measure out yep. yelling i got brian mm-hmm. i take a look i got this it's so ridiculous but it works it, it works it, it definitely works and it's just our need to to, to challenge ourselves i mean quite honestly I, I challenge you when you challenge me and yeah which, which is fantastic absolutely fantastic well i've enjoyed this podcast i've enjoyed the working relationship we're just getting started, man. No, without a doubt. I'm excited. There's a lot to come. A lot to come for Sandra Properties, for Stag, for 
CapEx. I mean, there's, there's a lot on the horizon, which uh, I couldn't be more excited for. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. Good to see you, brother. You too. Take care. All right, folks. Um, thank you for joining us today. We have some wonderful guests lined up in the future. Um, I think we're booked already now, PD, almost out until October at this point. Uh, so we're really excited about this. Thank you, everyone, for your support. We're now in the top 50% of all podcasts on Apple, which is like so amazing and so cool. As we said in the beginning, we have an international audience already. Uh, again, amazing. Please keep the comments coming, the ideas, the suggestions. And if you want to be on the show, drop us a line. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe.